I used to always say like, it's not personal, it's business, where I don't feel like that at all anymore. I've learned that they are so connected and we take our shit with us wherever we go. And to own that and to tell people that and to be really transparent about that, it's just just such a better way to live. Hi guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to the Kathy Heller podcast. Today is a great conversation with Allie Webb. It's so vulnerable. She really shares all the hard stuff and the beautiful stuff and the breakthroughs and the challenges that she's gone through over the last few years. You guys probably all know her because she created Drybar. So I'm really just so proud that she was willing to have this kind of a conversation. I think it's so important these conversations about what's really going on in people's lives, that we have these conversations. So we're going to dive into that. Speaking of real conversations, if you want to join me every week in the quilt, we meet once a week and there are so many added yummy bonuses coming for members of the quilt. And it's a time for us to come together in real, honest connection. We meditate, there's coaching, there's time for hot seats. It's a time for sisterhood. And the women who are in there are really, really connecting in such a beautiful way, being such a celebration for each other, a witness for each other as we go through these journeys together. And I'd love to see you in there. If you want to join us, go to kathyheller.com slash quilt and be a part of it. So as I said, today's conversation is really amazing. You probably all know Allie Webb because she founded Dry Bar. She's also the co-founder of Squeeze, Brightside, Beckett and Quill, Canopy, and she's a New York Times bestselling author, and she's also a business advisor. We had her on the show a few times before, and she was talking about how she grew the dry bar. And now she's back because her new book just came out this week, and it's called The Messy Truth, How I Sold My Business for Millions But Almost Lost Myself. And in the book, Allie shares her story of reinventing her personal and professional life, navigating her world as an entrepreneur, a mother, a partner, and learning to embrace the messiness that comes with the human experience. It's very raw. It's very vulnerable. You get a true behind the scenes look at what was really going on for her. And it's just incredible that she put all this in the book and she's been so brave to invite us all into the imperfection and into the breakthrough of her journey. So get a copy for sure. It's a joy to sit with her. She has incredible enthusiasm and authenticity. She's rare and she's so accomplished. I know you're going to really appreciate it. So let's get into it. Without further ado, please welcome the wonderful Allie Webb. All right. Well, let's get into it. I'm so happy to have you here. I feel like you are so singular in the sense, and this is so much a part of the new book. You've always been to me royal badass, like queen, and also the most approachable down-to-earth human anyone's ever met. You're like, no, no, don't misread this. This is all shiny and cool, but let me bring it down to the level. Like, And I think that that is so unique about you. And awesome because all we all do all day long is compare ourselves to people. And then when we can see someone who's really got certain things about their well-being and their life dialed in and also has the capacity to show what's going on that's not always rosy, it makes us all feel that much more encouraged, right? That we too can like get a little bit more out of life than we did yesterday. So thank you. Yeah, that's really kind. I'd like to start all my days with you. 
telling me all of that. <laughs> Done. Let's it's just, uh, I'll be your wake up ringtone. Hey, yeah, Ellie, it's Kathy. Just remember to remember what a badass you are. Yeah. All right. So this book, I feel like took tremendous courage. Like even with the fact that I just said you're always very consistently real, it's a whole other thing to be like, I'm putting it in a book so that everybody is well aware of all sides of what this really looks like. And appropriately, the book is called The Messy Truth, How I Sold My Business for Millions, but also Lost Myself. Let's talk about it. Like that title already says 17 things. I know. <laughs> what was the impetus, first of all? What was the download of like, I'm telling this version of the story? Well, you know, I had been like noodling on it for years. It's funny. My brother and I used to say things like, we're going to put that in the book throughout the whole dry bar journey because there was just so many crazy things that happened along the way. You know, but the book is largely like, the journey, the evolution of, of my life and my story of like how I came to start this business and how, I, you know, I always have thought that everything I did in my life from like the time I was a kid, like growing up in South Florida and having like the curly hair and the frizzy hair and always being kind of obsessed with hair and then finally going to beauty school and, all, and then having other jobs and all the things and it's all in the book. But I feel like it all like really prepared me to start this blow dry empire, which was not a dream. Like it was not a thing that I thought about doing. It just all the things in my life looking back were steps to what would eventually become dry bar. And I don't know where this comes from, but maybe it comes from like wanting to help and impart what I've learned on to other entrepreneurs and, and this kind of calling or longing to tell the truth of it. And maybe it's like the Instagram era that we live in where we show our best side and I, and I do it too, where, you know, we want to show people our best side and we want that, we want to look like we have our shit together when, you know, on the inside, like none of us do. I mean, none of us do. And we have good days and we have bad days. And I think that I wanted to show in the book, the things that I was good at and the things that I wasn't and the things that I learned and like the vulnerability and the like, of being a founder and just being a fucking human. Like it is hard. And I'm in an interesting phase of my life right now where I'm, you know, reading a lot of books about like whoever said life is supposed to be easy and great all the time. And I think that if you can have that acceptance that, you know, there's good days, there's bad days, there's like days where like it's all working and you feel really great. And then there's days that it's not, you know, and learning to accept that and live with that. And it's, it's very true of business. Like I always compare the dry bar journey. And again, life to like whack-a-mole, you know, that game. There's always something. There's always some fire somewhere. And whether it's your personal life or your business. And so I just feel really compelled to share all of that to, to maybe demystify a little bit yeah. of this glamorized. Cause I think in the last 10 years, which I, you know, am very, feel very humble to be at the forefront of like entrepreneurs became this thing and like, really celebrated and which is fucking awesome, especially women, you know, that are really being celebrated for starting businesses. Like there's, you know, we have our own like category now and I'm just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not all roses and sunshine. There's, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors there and, and not a, a lot of people are talking about it. And so the book really talks about that journey and that like the messiness of success and failure and, you know, everything in between. Oh my gosh. I mean, I can't wait 
for everybody to read it. I think it should be required reading because <laughs> there's like what it looks like and then there's what it's actually like. It's kind of like when you go to these baby showers and we've all been to a few and everybody's like making it beautiful. And it's like there's a lot of pink or there's a lot of blue and people like put things in beautiful wrapping. And then you come home with this baby and your hormones are all over the place. You don't want to have sex for the next 45 years of your life. You're crying. You're exhausted. You have shame and guilt. You're also more in love than you've ever been. You want nothing around except for the baby, but then you don't want the baby, but then you miss your girlfriends. And no one talks about that at the shower. Nobody's like, hey, you're about to go upside down in every single way of your life. Good luck. (laughs) So there's what the business looks like and then what it actually means in real terms, like in the numbers, what it can actually mean, even though it looks like one thing. And there's also like your mental well-being. And I feel like we live in an interesting time where everyone's really convinced that we came to the world for a pile of things. We need as many followers, as much money, as big of an IPO, all this venture capital, like that's the success box and you better go get it. And then when you actually get it, you realize, no, I came to the world for a much bigger dream, which is called my well-being. And right now I have no clue where that is. And so if that's the ugly truth, then it doesn't matter. It's almost worse than to feel like you have all the accoutrements of a successful life. And yet inside, there's still this giant emptiness that nothing outside of you can touch. And I know that that's really what you've been speaking to. And I want to hear more about that. Like, What got revealed to you about yourself as you went through this journey? And what were some of the insights that you had that actually brought you back to like this much more peace that came from you knowing more about what really happiness looks like and not all the places that people want you to focus your attention because it seems like where the success and the happiness achievement is? Well, I think to your point, you know, we're all chasing something and a dream of some sort, which is great and important, but it's kind of more about purpose like that. I can honestly say when we started Dry Bar, when I had this idea, which came out of my mobile business, it was never like the impetus of it was never like to make a bunch of money and to take, you know, world domination and blowouts. You know, just like I said in the beginning, like I didn't, my parents had their own business, but I didn't have like aspirations to be an entrepreneur. I worked for other people. When I was 16, I started working and I worked ever since. And I always worked for other people. I kind of always thought I would. I didn't have this like entrepreneurial journey. I also didn't have a lot of women to look up to at that time. I mean, it, it's only been sure. in the past like 15 years that there's so many women starting businesses. So, you know, I never came to this from a place of, I want to grow this massive business and to make all this money and to do, you know, and all this stuff. You know, that was like a byproduct truly of just doing something I loved. Yeah. However, that turned into this massive business and it it was very intoxicating. And we were on this rocket ship and we had all this success and all this attention. And, you know, I think one of the biggest lessons that I learned is that a lot about like outside validation, even like the kind things that you said in the beginning, you know, it's like one of the biggest lessons I learned, which I think was kind of your question was that, you know, you have to find that within yourself and getting it from other people and outside validation, you know, it's everybody kind of knows this, but you, you kind of forget it. And when we were in the throes of building this massive company and I was doing all these cool things and 
being on magazine covers and on TV and Shark Tank and all the things that I got to do, you know, it was like there was so much coming at me that was amazing that I'm so grateful for it. But once we sold Dry Bar and that all kind of started to stop and I have really gone through like a major identity crisis in the last couple of years since we sold Dry Bar, you know, and it is like a, you know, be careful what you're chasing. And in the beginning, I wasn't I wasn't chasing the money and then the money started to come. And then I did start like thinking more about the money. And I, you know, and I did start thinking more about this thing that I was on that was like so intoxicating and then like coming down from that and like, who am I now? What am I now? What is my purpose now? So a lot of that is, is in the book. And a lot of that is just like where I'm at in my life. And I have been for the last, yes, someone said like a drug. It is a hundred percent a drug of getting all of that and not being able to supply it for yourself. I've also like kind of learned it's a lot of childhood shit and it's like, you know, I've really dug into a lot of that only recently. That's not really in the book, but yeah, you know, it's like, you just can get really lost. And if, and if you're not searching for the right thing and this like peace and purpose, it gets messy. (laughs) Yeah. It gets messy. We, uh, we used to live when we first got married, we used to live in a little townhouse on Roxbury, just South of Wilshire. And I remember thinking it was like so beautiful. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe we can afford something that's a little townhouse to rent. And I can like still like stroll over to Neiman Marcus, even though I probably at that point couldn't afford anything. And the other day I went to Neiman Marcus to get something and I parked there and I was walking past this old townhouse where we used to rent. And I was thinking like, was I happier then? Like Mm -hmm. when I would walk my daughter to the park and like, go get a cappuccino times yeah simpler time and like now we live in a ten thousand square foot house like overlooking the hills in Mulholland and I have all these things that I set out to do and I don't think I can tell you like hell yes I'm happier like I have more well-being as a human like I don't know that that's true I've grown a lot I've uncovered a lot I've solved a lot of problems and I've made a big impact in some ways. And my own little Kathy self is still catching up and I'm still figuring her out and what she needs and how quickly she can get pulled into a wave and then find out that she like abandoned herself for eight months. Like it's a whole thing. And you said before, you've said like three different ways. You said this is really new for women to be founders like this. And I really think no one's talking about it enough that my mom is in her 70s, right? I'm in my 40s. So my mom graduated high school with, you can be a secretary or a nurse. Like, that's my mom's generation. We are the generation of, you can go crush it. You can be a badass CEO. You can do, and there's all these mixed messages of like, so yeah, go do that, but please be relatable and go be fierce, but be humble. Like, please don't like, Put it out there that you're so successful. And by the way, you should really be in a great relationship and you should be a great mom and be a conscious parent and do great self-care. And it's like, all I want to do is scream into a pillow. How can I accomplish all of that at the same time? Whereas with a guy, it's more like, just go, bro. Just go do you. <laughs> they just go yeah. make as much money as they want. Nobody's like chastising them for being in their bravado. It's just like, yeah, that's what you do. Good for you. Like Mark Cuban, like ring all the bells. Nobody's saying to him, how's your balance? How are you as a dad? People are just like, you're awesome. We love knowing that you exist, right? That's not the same for women. And then there's also what you actually need in your life. And so I'm curious, as you went through this, 
what was it like for you in the role of like mom and wife? And what was it like for you with your own? What does Allie actually need to feel at peace? And how much of you was having to find that balance and how much of you felt like what was being asked of you made it difficult for you to have what you wanted in the roles of being your own person, as well as a mom, as well as a wife. Like, it's not a well-worn path. And so I'm curious, like, how all of that was to navigate. Well, it was hard. And I was also working with my brother and my husband at the time, my my first husband. And just you end up on this track where dry bar became like another child to us, you know, where we were just in this work mode constantly. And there was a lot of guilt on both sides, you know, and I think that I I didn't feel empowered enough back then to recognize that I needed time and space for myself, you know, that there was like, I needed to be the mom, like I needed to be the boss. I needed to know what I was talking about. A A lot of like what I talk about in the book too is like, you know, my feeling of like, I needed to have all the answers and know all the things instead of like saying, hey, I don't know all the answers. I don't know all the things. What do you guys think? And I think it's kind of largely from what you're saying is like that we come into a role as a founder or CEO as in this, like, I have to know everything. And there's this like expectation on me to have all the answers. When I didn't have all the answers, I mean, I don't have all the answers. I still don't have all the answers. Nobody does. Right. But there is like, to your point with the bravado of like a man of like, you just know. And I think I felt like I had to just know. And it's shifted for me a lot. And I think it's a lot of humility to be like, I, you know, I don't actually know. And I, and I'd like to talk to other people about it. And I think that there is this, I mean, when you were talking, I was thinking about the, the Barbie movie and like the speech that she makes about yeah. how there's just all this expectation and, and all this stuff on us. But I do also, I don't get too like sucked into that either. You know, I mean, I think that for me, it's like somebody asked me, I was speaking at, at this thing yesterday and it was like a financial conference and a woman who's a financial advisor asked me if I had to choose. I actually have a financial advisor who's a man. And she said, if you were in a room, would you have chosen a woman, a woman or a man as your financial advisor? I was like, I don't know. It depends on who I connect with. Right. Like the question was like posed to me is like, oh, just because it's a woman, would you do that? Right. And I was like, no, if it was a woman that I like really liked and connected with and thought was like strange that they thought was like I- ideal, then yes. If it was a man, I'm like, you know what I mean? And so there's this like, for me, I feel like I recognize, of course, there's a double standard and men aren't asked the question of like, you know, how are you balancing it all? And women are always asked that question. And that is, that is annoying. And I, I think that's starting to change because women are becoming the breadwinners of the family more. Women are playing that role, but it's complicated to be the breadwinner of your family. And it is emasculating to most men. So it is like a, tr- we're in like a tricky time of trying to figure that out and, and redefine the balance of men and women and how this looks and how we define all of that. I mean, we are in such a tipping point, I think. And it's so fascinating, you know, for women to like really be having more of a, a place at the table. And I know we're not there yet by any means, but for me, the way I look at it is like getting to equality. It's like, I don't want or need women to be like superior to men, nor do I want men to of be Of course, superior. that's ridiculous. But I think there is this like, there's pros and cons on both sides. So no, I, I totally get it. I mean, yesterday I was on the phone a Zoom call with a new therapist that a friend of mine just introduced me to. And it was because a friend of mine had said, 
that she like threw a grenade into her marriage because she was like, whatever this dynamic is, I'm not interested anymore, you know? And I thought it was the best idea ever seven years ago. I was like, I'm going to make all this money and then you're going to not have to work. And I thought that was such a good idea at the time until he stopped being a lawyer and then was like potching around the house. And then a year went by and two years and I was like, oh, I am not into this. We're like, I'm in like this provider energy and then I can now do everything that I need and I don't know what I need from you. And like he starts to feel emasculated, even though he's like, I'm so proud of you. It's like on some level, there's something that he doesn't love about not being able to take care of me. And it's so bizarro. And then all of a sudden I was like, you need to go back to work. I don't care what money you make. It's not about the money. Please go to work. And so literally as of a month ago, I like kind of, you know, made that like, I need you to do that. And he's, he's happier. I think that there's like, you know, what I've learned a lot about myself is that I have been for a long time living in the masculine side of myself where, you know, because of, right, the same thing, because I'm like running a business in charge, you know, all those things. And then feeling like, oh, I need to get back into like the feminine of my receivership. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and finding that balance is really tricky for sure. What do you mean? This is a big thing to say. You say this in your title and you talk about this in the book. So what do you mean when you say I almost lost myself? You know, there was a really kind of pinnacle point in my story when we were about seven, eight years into the company and Cam and I got divorced and it was around the time my kids were like 11 and 13. And my son, Grant, who's now doing amazing, he's 18. He just, I just took him to college. He's playing football. Like, that's it's amazing. Amazing. But there was when I think it was partly because of the divorce and just partly because of where he was at in his life, you know, that he started doing drugs and became addicted and we had to put him in treatment and he was in treatment for about two years. That's and really, was, really hard. Yeah. I mean, in that two years, we were like fighting for his life. Like it was, it was dark and it was sad and it was hard. And it's, it's in the book. There's a whole chapter about it, which by the way, he's totally giving me his sign off. And like the amazing soul that he is, is like, I want other people to understand this. And by the way, it's pretty amazing that, you know, and I don't know if it, if there's anybody on this call who's lived this, but it's pretty amazing when you do talk about this stuff, how many, you know, families are dealing with this too. It's just, it's like, nobody wants to talk about it. And I didn't want to talk about it either because I felt like I must be a really shitty mom to have a kid that is in rehab. And I was very ashamed of it at the time because it was like, oh, I'm going to be so judged for this because I built this big business and I had this big thing. And so I wasn't paying enough attention to my kid, which might be partially true to see like what was happening with him. I, I moved my kids around a lot. Like, and there was a little bit of fallout that happened with my son. And I'll tell you though, it was like the greatest gift. And my, my kid is so evolved. And I think every human should have to go through the programs that he went through. I mean, he went to like three different places. And one was this program in Utah where like you live off the land for like as long as it takes. And you're, you're with therapists and other kids who are going through this. And he became this evolved soul and he learned what was happening inside of him. Like he couldn't articulate what was going on for him when stuff was going on for him. And so that's happening. And that whole process was almost two years. And that 
obviously, I mean, I, you know, it made you emotional. It like took me down as a mom and I was going through a divorce at the time and the divorce was like the right thing, but I spiraled into like a very deep depression because I was, I didn't know what was going to happen with my kid. He was, he was suicidal too. It was like, it was really rough and dark and my world like really collapsed. And at the time, Cam and I were not really speaking. It was in the beginning and, and we obviously had to come back together to help our son. So that was a blessing. But, you know, it was like I went from like getting a divorce, not being a single mom and navigating that world. And now my son in going into rehab, I was like, everything imploded. And then because like logistically, we shared an office, a creative office. So I couldn't go to that office anymore. So now I don't even like go to my job. And I was like, oh my God, I was just like on the floor. I mean, it was, it was really rough. And, and so that was the like losing myself part where everything was starting to change in dry bar because we were like, you know, at this point where we had hired a lot of other people to do a lot of the things that I had previously done, which was the totally the right thing to do. But my role in the company was evolving and changing into something else. And what I had done for so many years was changing. And then I was trying to just deal with what was happening with my son. And even though he was away at rehab, it was like calls all the time and letters and a lot of things. And like, just emotionally, you know, my bandwidth was, was pretty tapped and I was going through a divorce. And even though the divorce was something I wanted, you know, it was like, I remember like an energy healer telling me once that like, you may be okay with the divorce, but this person held energy and space in your life for a long time. And now they're gone. And now you have this big hole and you have your kid, you know, who was going about to start ninth grade away. So, you know, Grant didn't come back until he was like, oh, the middle of 10th grade. When that point we were in COVID, it was such a mess, that whole point. And luckily, because the company was at a place where it was like, we had a lot of people, like I was able, you know, and everybody was very understanding of, of all I was going through. And and all Cam and I were going through and just like, it was just a really difficult time to navigate. And, and I did feel like you know, I had to really like do a lot of soul searching. I had to do a lot of work on myself. I had to like get myself out of this really tough stage. And that, that was the like losing myself. And that was like, Drybar was on fire then. Like Drybar was at, we were like at the top of our game, but I had to like duck out for a while because I needed to like get my life under control personally, you know? And so that, that was really the like unraveling of my world, which I would eventually put back together. You know, it's, uh, I was totally emotional as you were talking. And I feel like, as I said at the very beginning of this, like you've always been so brazenly authentic. And yet this story is new for me, this part of the story. And it's so courageous. And I also feel like I remember when, uh, the Broadway show Dear Evan Hansen came out and I flew to New York. I could cry just thinking about it to see Ben Platt in it on Broadway. And then I saw it four other times. And the reason I couldn't get up from my seat at the end of the show and the reason why everyone went to see it from Beyonce to every person went to see it I is because it. everyone has the same secret, which is if you really knew me, you would know how I'm barely hanging on. Everyone actually has days like that all the time that we just don't show because we play this character. And so it's interesting that you talk about like almost losing yourself because the self that you lost was the self that was all of these things 
And yet who you really were is what you actually gained. Like what actually happened was you pulled over to the side of your life and said, I'm not going to play this part right now. Right. And I'm going to deal with the house that's on fire that everyone who lives on your block has a house that's on fire, but they self-medicate with like scrolling Instagram or whatever the hell they're doing. And really, in a way, the most beautiful thing came out of something so horrific, which is that your kid and your family got so hyper present yes. to what's actual, to what's real. And to me, what I hear because this is what I felt when my parents got divorced and I was like 14, ready to be like, I'm done. Like, I'm done with life. Like, y- this is insane hell and I'm out. And then over the course of my life, what I've learned is when I see kids like that, those are the kids who are super aware. Those are the kids who are so spiritual and so have such a capacity to perceive that the mundane garbage, three-dimensional, la 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 stuff, they're like, this isn't cutting it for me. Like, I know there's something I'm trying to reach for. And because this is the matrix you're putting me in, I can't do it. Like, I need to like opt out of this stupid, like whatever people look at as like, this is life as you know it. And so there's a tremendous amount of power and goodness. And I love the last thing I'll just say, I love when you even named it, the feeling of shame, because to me, Grief is one thing, pain is one thing, anger is one thing, but the most toxic thing in the world is shame because there's no way to be with shame. There's a way to be with hurt, pain, sadness, grief, anger. Shame is gross. It's like it's like a cancer. You can't digest it. And of course you would have thought that. Meanwhile, everyone who's listening to you right now is like, thank God she's saying it because I have a version of that of my own in my own life. And I don't know how to remove the shame long enough to like be awake and get the help I need. And to me, it just makes you that much more lovable. And I know you kind of know that viscerally, but to me, I hope you hear that you're basically the ambassador on behalf of every single human who's holding on to shame for all kinds of reasons. And by you having the courage to name this, which takes so much guts, it releases people from the shackles of their shame. It gives people the kind of medicine that only somebody in exactly your position can give them. And I really hope that you, it's big. It's really big. Thank you. I mean, I think that that's part of the, to your question in the beginning of like deciding to write this book and to put it all out there is to show that like, to your point, it's like everyone's going through something, but I love your analogy about I had to pull over the side of the road of my life. And I think that like, it's so easy to go unconscious to your life and what's like really going on and not paying attention to all the things that are crumbling around you. You know, I remember like I knew it in my bones that something was off with my son and I resisted leaning into it for a long time and it was detrimental, you know, and I think that because we're like trying to keep up these appearances and we're trying to be a certain way that we stop paying attention to the things that we need to pay attention to. And it's so dangerous, you know? And it's like, the more we're talking about these real things, I think it's like the less weird and the stigma around it. I think from that time in my life, I really like came to feel like I fucking hate small talk. And like, I don't want to talk about weather. Like, I always want to like get into it with people. Like, what's really going on? You know, and if you're (laughs) 
to meet me and like we ran into each other on the street, I would tell you like some pretty like heavy shit that's happening in my life right now. Because I just feel like the more we talk about these things, and again, like I'm so proud of my son for being okay with me putting this out there. I mean, we actually, I just went to visit him this weekend and we were talking about it and he was telling me, which is really so sweet and fun to hear. He's like, a lot of the girls at this at college know who you are. They know dry bar and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, that's nice. Do you like that or you're not like that? You know? And he's like, no, it's cool. I was like, you know, you know, my book's coming out soon. And like, there's a whole chapter about you. Like everyone's going to, I was like, have you told people like your story? And he was like, yeah, some people I'm like, well, they're all going to know really soon, you know? But it's like just the fact that like he's, we're all kind of owning it. And we let the like, to your point about the shame, we let this feeling of shame go and just be like, yeah, we we went down this kind of dark road and we're owning it and we're okay with it. Everyone's going through something at some time, you know, not all the time. Like there's definitely times in our lives where like things are seemingly pretty good, but that's when shit happens, by the way. It's like, I saw this quote, I think it was like Robert De Niro, where he was like, don't get complacent in your life. I got very complacent in my life and my success. You know, so it was like, I was like not paying attention. I was like, everything was was great. Like I was good. And then I got punched in the face with my life because I wasn't like, my awareness wasn't there. I wasn't paying attention. And I think that we can go on autopilot in so many ways in all the like relationships and all of that. And now I'm like so much more vigilant and so much more aware of kind of where I'm at and making sure I'm doing the work on myself. Like I'm meditating and I'm writing in my journal and I'm doing therapy and I have a spiritual, I mean, I have so many people, you know, because I mean, not that you have to have all of that stuff, but just making sure you're doing whatever you need to do to check in to make sure things are on track and you're not missing things in your life because it's just so easy to miss them. Yeah. And just not talk about it. And and again, going back to like the impetus for the book is like just talking about all this stuff. And and the book is largely, and we're talking about so much personal stuff, but the book is, you know, a lot of business lessons on like what worked for me, what didn't work, what I learned, what I would do a little differently. And like all these lessons that I learned with growing this company and and just how my personal life intertwined with it, because it does, you know, it's like I used to say, and I hate that I said this, but I used to always say like, it's not personal, it's business where I don't feel like that at all anymore. I've learned that they are so connected and we take our shit with us wherever we go. And to own that and to tell people that and to be really transparent about that, it's just, it's just such a better way to live. I wish everybody was like that. hundred percent. I think what we all forget because we all have this like primal need for belonging is that the only sexy thing that will make anything viral or anything work is authenticity. That's the glue. Like when somebody's real in a room and says, I've been sober for six years or whatever it is, you're just like, oh, I like you because you're honest. You know, all of a sudden you lean in. And so that's actually a superhero gift to be that vulnerable and authentic. I also just want to say that I think that our brains love to put things in black and white boxes and make things really simplified because it's just the way that brains can work. And so what I want to say out loud is, yes, it's one thing to look at like the complex life that happens when somebody becomes successful. Let's not forget though, that if you were not successful for people who are quote unquote not successful, right? They don't have a hundred stores or whatever. They still have a complex life. So you shouldn't walk away with this lesson of like, therefore don't be an entrepreneur and don't be successful and don't because therefore you will have all these problems. It's like life is lifey, right? You are here to grow and. There's a whole different set of issues if you look at someone who's not showing up 
um, meeting their edge and talking themselves out of starting things because of imposter syndrome and tolerating less than they deserve because they don't want to raise their prices or they don't want to stand up to someone. That's a whole other set of stuff. And so it's a beautiful gift that you are kind of taking us through the whole looking glass so we can really, really see it. And I don't think that we should shortchange the fact that while all of that is real, what we just talked about and so sacred and so important, you are a badass. And being able to build a business means you have a tremendous amount of radical empathy. You understand human beings. That's what having a business means. It's like you've been able to figure out who this woman is you serve. If something works once, you could say, oh, it's luck. But if you're able to work something out over and over and over and over again, it's like, no, 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 no. This person has a capacity to understand human behavior, to understand how to show up with grace and ease to a certain extent, which is giant. And I just want to name that because women do need a model of that. And you are the best model of that. And that is so impressive and so freaking cool. And so from that standpoint, as we're sort of like wrapping up the next five minutes, what's one business lesson from that standpoint that you really are proud of? Like something about yourself that if you could whittle it all down, if I could give you just one thing and you could say, this might be my greatest secret sauce to how I built that. If I had to pick one thing that was a little bit singular about me, this is what I think my zone of genius was in building that business. I think it's like a combination of my intuition and my decisiveness. I think I've always had a very good, strong gut feeling. I mean, I think we all do. I think I just, I'm really tuned into it and I'm, I'm really quick on my feet about problem solving and figuring things out. I think that's kind of my superpower. And I'm like, I'm not wishy washy and it's good and bad. I know exactly what I want to do right away. And like, you can't like talk me off that ledge. Sometimes that does get me into trouble, but it's also, I'm a big believer that our strengths are our weaknesses. So for me, it's like, I'm not going to like hem and haw and not make a decision and mull shit over for a long time. Again, that got me in trouble sometimes, but it's also really been a big part of my success too. Um, and, and really following my gut instinct. And, and when I haven't, I'm like, I should have listened to what I really thought. And it's like, you don't really find that out until afterwards when you were like, I know I had this like feeling that it wasn't going to work out. But at the end of the day, it's also how you learn and and how you become better and and all of that. So I get asked in interviews all the time, like, do you have regrets? Like, are there things that you would do differently? And it's like, no, not one. Even my kid, even my son who went through what he went through, he is such a better kid for it. And we're all better for it. It was rough and it sucked. And at the time, I didn't want it to be happening. But it it really made us all better. And it's the same thing with things that I got wrong at Dry Bar that I just like learned from. Anyways, you know, I think trusting my intuition and putting myself out there and not being, you know, I mean, you've been so generous with your compliments to me that and I'm really appreciative of it. But I think that like for me, it's like I don't spend a lot of time worrying about what people think. Some people are going to like what I say and some people aren't going to like what I say. And that's cool. Like whatever, take it or leave it. You don't have to like everything or agree with everything that I say. And, and I think that that is also a, a bit of a superpower of like, this is me and who, this is who I am. And I want to always speak my truth of what's happening for me. And it does tend to resonate with people, which is like, again, a large part of writing this book was like, let me let you guys behind the curtain of what really goes on. And a lot of the book has a lot of information about 
growing, raising money, selling, you know, taking money off the table as an entrepreneur and selling your company and all that stuff too. So, you know, I just want to give people like the real, the truth. But anyways, oh, it's like, it's like I the digress. business book everybody needed that they didn't know they needed and has to have like as a must so. read. It really should be required reading for every woman who's curious about entrepreneurship or in the middle of a business. It yeah. should be required. And so there's definitely a lesson for everybody in this book, no matter what stage of your business you're at or you're even if you're just in a job. Like I, I talk to a lot of people that are they're just working their way up in a company and there's all there's the lessons that will speak to them too. Yeah, it's huge. And I just want to, I'm going to ask you one more question, but I just want to comment on what you just said. I think it's so huge. I, I heard my friend Susie say the word underthink. She's like, everybody's overthinking everything. Start underthinking things. And I realized that that's also something that I'm accused of on my team and also what a superpower is. And they, it is a strength and a weakness, but I literally just don't ruminate. I'm just like, let's go. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. And I just see so many people wait to make a decision. It's just like, oh my God, you could have already made the wrong decision, but have learned from that. Like, let's go just freaking yeah. your butt and figure it out on the way down. Totally, you know? totally. Yeah. So the last question I was going to ask you, and you said it, you, you said something about this earlier is like redefining your like sense of purpose, right? Since you sold Drybar, you've been involved with like a bunch of other really cool businesses. And I'm curious in this moment, as you're looking towards the horizon, like what feels like this is you in your identity, like this is you waking up in purpose. Like, what does that look like for you now? The thing that comes to mind mostly is like being of service to others. And I mean that in a lot of ways. I mean, first and foremost, I get a lot of satisfaction from advising and helping other entrepreneurs who are in there in the throes of building a business. And I learned so much on the job as I was, as we were growing Drybar, like so much, you know, as someone who didn't go to college and doesn't have like a fancy business degree, I learned so much stuff. That's stuff that I don't even like remember until somebody talks about it. So I do a lot of mentoring. Like I'm on this site called Intro. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of it where people can like book time with me yeah. and that whole thing. I, I'm i just launching a mastermind with Jacqueline Johnson, who's the founder of Create and Cultivate and uh, Marina Nelson, oh, branding expert. It's like, it's a container for like women to have access to all of us. And then there's a big event and a whole thing, you know? And I'm also like, I'm just starting this pretty big volunteer program at CHLA. Like I'm in a phase of giving back and being like of service of what I've been able to accomplish and how I can impart that on others versus like, I'm not, I don't have a desire to build a company again, the way I did with Drybar. I, we started Squeeze and Okay Humans and Brightside. And these are all other companies that I advise on and I funded and I'm on the board and all me and my brother, but I just don't have the desire yet. I am working on a new project that I can't reveal just yet. That is actually like my brother called me last week and he's like, let's do this. And I was like, oh, maybe, you know, so I'm still entertaining a lot of things, but I feel most like purpose driven to give back. And just like the way people light up when you can like frame something that's going on for them or help them in some way. I just, I really enjoy it. And and so I, I feel like that's kind of where my purpose and path is right now. I love that. And I feel it so strongly. And I just want to say out loud that I don't think there's any greater service you can ever do for a human being than to help them see clearer and further than they could see a second before. Like take like a rocket science. It's like, I'm smart and, and successful and whatever, but I'm not, I'm usually not the smartest person in the room. I don't claim to know more than other people, but even just zooming out yep. when you can't, you're so in it 
is like having somebody who can be like, oh no, it's, it's so clear to me. Yeah. Like really? And then they are like, oh, I didn't even see that. It's mind blowing. I love it. Yeah. And in that way, I feel like this, this conversation to me, for whatever it's worth, is like a rocket ship that as this book comes into the world, I see this being very uniquely yours, like being willing, not just willing, but also present. Like there are some people who are unwilling, but then there are people who might be willing, but they just don't have it to share. They didn't go do the excavation. You like went through the dark night of the soul and you're willing to take us there and you have a PhD in building a business. So I feel like my spidey sense is that over the next year, three years, you will emerge as such a pivotal, definitive person. It's beyond being a thought leader. It's like, this is a movement which is only yours. Like, I don't see anyone sitting at the bus stop called this level of authenticity plus like knowing the three things that you need to know. And so I'm very excited for, yeah. for that because talk about serving. This blesses human beings hearts on such a radical level. So tell everybody where they can buy the book. Yes. You can go to aliweb.com or Amazon or wherever you buy books. It's pretty much available everywhere on free order. I'm actually doing an audio version of it too. That's cool. Hoarding it this week, as a matter of fact. So it launches November 14th, but yeah, it's available now. And you know, all my projects and all my things are just on my Instagram, which is just Aliweb. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. What a nutritional, helpful, beautiful conversation. Thank you. Likewise. It was it was good to be with you. Good to chat. Always good to chat with you. Thank Bye. you, Allie. It's such a joy to talk with Allie and here are some of the takeaways. Number one, there's good days, there's bad days. Learn to accept that and live with it. Number two, the validation that you're searching for can only be found inside yourself. Number three, you don't have to know everything in order to lead. It's okay to admit you don't know all the answers. Number four, instead of going on autopilot, be more vigilant and aware of where you're at. Do the work on yourself. Check in to make sure things are on track and you're not missing things in your life. Number five, don't worry about what people think. Some people are going to like what you say and some people are not, and that's okay. They can take it or leave it. Just show up and say, this is me. This is who I am and speak your truth. Number six, there's so much purpose in giving back and being of service to others. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you. And if you want more episodes that are going to be really helpful and thought-provoking, then please make sure that you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you're listening. And if you love what we're doing, please go ahead and leave a review. And maybe share the show right now with one person or post about the show on your Instagram because I'm sure Allie would love to see. She'd love to see that you were moved by this. So if you post about it on Instagram, tag her and you could tag me so I can share it as well. If you want to join us every week for these beautiful conversations, for moments of coaching, if you want to get in the hot seat and ask questions, if you want to have this kind of sisterhood where we have these real conversations, which can truly be so life-changing, then you can join us in the quilt. Go to kathyheller.com slash quilt and we'll see you in there. I love you very much. I'll leave you with a song. Have an amazing weekend.